here we are. The NFL Draft fast approaches, and we are quickly getting into one of Cody Winstead's favorite shows leading up to the draft every year. Bill Jones with Cody Winstead. I'm in Dallas. He's in Philly. These are two organizations, the Cowboys and the Eagles, that did some draft day business last year. The draft day business in the first round this year. What is going to happen? Was it a surprise last year when the Eagles and Cowboys did business together? Was it a surprise that Micah Parsons went to the Cowboys and had a rookie of the year type season? All right, one of the surprises this year. What are you, what are you thinking on this edition of Joneson for football, Cody? Well, Bill Jones, we're going to do some bold predictions. If you would have said the Cowboys and Eagles make a trade with one another in the first round, that would have been a bold prediction last year. And what do you know? It, uh, like you said, worked out. Uh, but we do it every year, Dr. Jones. We study these prospects, these teams for months. And then the draft rolls around and some wild, unforeseen stuff always happens. So this is our opportunity to get on the record before the craziness begins. Why don't you lead us off, please, with your first bold prediction? And my bold predictions will not, they are not going to measure up to what Cody has up his sleeve. So this they're is not that bold. Is that what this is just, this is just an appetizer. Okay. What I got for you is just an appetizer, but there's been so much talk about this cornerback from Cincinnati sauce Gardner, Ahmad sauce Gardner. And he's got all those measurables you're looking for in a 2022 cornerback. However, I think the best cornerback in this draft is a guy from LSU who's coming off an injury, a Liz Frank injury that occurred in August of last year, and it curtailed his, his uh, ability to produce on an LSU's team that had its ability to produce curtailed in more ways than one last year. True. True. <laughs> um, and some say he checked out on his team, but who wouldn't check out on that team? But Derek Stingley – out of LSU is my top cornerback in this draft. And I would not be surprised. In fact, I'll go so far as to boldly predict that Derek Stingley will have a better career than sauce Gardner. And I will boldly predict that somebody in this first round is going to take Derek Stingley ahead of sauce Gardner in this draft. Okay. Well, Sauce, I mean, Sauce gets a lot of the headlines because we know he never gave up a touchdown, right, in his entire career. So that's kind of like, dang, this guy must be good. But to your point, Derek Stingley was a day one superstar from the moment he stepped on mm -hmm. the field of Baton Rouge. Um, I think he was kind of widely considered the best corner in the country as a freshman and has had to deal with injuries ever since then. So pure talent-wise, um, if Stingley did not – uh, have as many injuries as he did, he might be the number one guy that everyone's looking at. He might be the top five projected guy, don't you think? Well, and these weren't, uh, you know, career debilitating injuries. Okay. Sure. They, it was a leg injury in, in 2020. He was on that national champion team. He was a consensus All-American, had six interceptions as a true freshman coming in there. But the other thing is he just looks the part. I mean, he looks like a top of the first round cornerback, exactly what you're looking for. The other thing on Sauce Gardner, and this is take nothing away from, from Sauce, he wasn't the most decorated cornerback on his own team. 
Kobe Bryant was the Jim Thorpe Award winner uh, for Cincinnati last year with three interceptions, had four picks the year before, 10 interceptions in his career. And uh, so it's not like you're going out on a limb saying that a uh, another cornerback is going to have a more productive career. Sauce Gardner might be more your Byron Jones type cornerback in this league, not with as many picks as other cornerbacks uh, have. But I, if I'm picking, I'm taking Stingley as my number one cornerback off the board. All right. My first bold prediction, Bill Jones, and we're going to the quarterbacks here. There's a lot of talk about this QB class and the lack of top-end talent. And while that may be the case, the quarterback position is still the most important in sports. We know that. And teams cannot go into the season without either a legitimate starter or someone they hope will eventually be legitimate. And if you look at most mock drafts, most have quarterbacks, only one or none taken in the top 10 picks. So my bold prediction for you, Bill Jones, is there will be three quarterbacks taken in the first 11 picks, which would actually just be one less than last year's star-studded quarterback class that featured Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields. Let me walk you through my thought process. Three teams in the top 11 need new starters. That's the Panthers at six, the Falcons at eight, and the Seahawks at nine. There are another four teams in the top 11 that could be in the market for a QB. Lions at two, Texans at three, Giants at five, and Commanders at 11. And that also does not include teams like the Steelers, Titans, Eagles, and Saints, who could surprise everyone and move up for a QB. My guess is Malik Willis from Liberty is the first quarterback taken. He has the most potential in this group. Six foot, 219, transfer from Auburn, combined for 40 total touchdowns a year ago. He's going to be one of the five or six most athletic QBs in the league from day one. He might also have one of the five or six strongest arms in the league as well. So who knows, maybe the Lions fall in love with him at number two, or again, the Texans, maybe they love him and, and he goes at uh, number three there. I also think Kenny Pickett is going to go really early. Number six to the Panthers makes sense. This is kind of where he's been mocked uh, recently. Carolina does not want to go into another season with Sam Darnold. Pickett would provide some hope for a franchise that started 3-0 and last year before finishing 5-12. and Plus, you got to factor in Matt Rule. Pickett committed to Rule while he was the head coach at Temple before Pickett ultimately landed uh, with the Pitt Panthers there. Pickett, kind of a one-year wonder, as you've pointed out in the past, Bill Jones, but appears to have the highest floor among the quarterbacks in this class. And then I think there's going to be a shocker. There always seems to be one. I don't know who it is. It's either Matt Corral from Ole Miss or Des Ritter from Cincinnati. I think someone's going to fall in love with one of those guys and move up and take them in the top 11. Both terrific character guys, great leadership abilities. Um, I think they are going to be the surprise of the first round. 
So there you have it, Bill Jones, three quarterbacks in the top 11 picks. You know, it makes a uh, perfect sense uh, that with the quarterback needs out there, without regard to the quality of the quarterbacks available, that uh, the, the run would come there. And, and the fact that you have a fifth-year option available on a guy when you draft him in the first round as opposed to the second round. Yep. Uh, regardless, if they don't go that high, there's some of those teams that have multiple picks who can move up into the last half of the second round, like Detroit, yep. uh, can move up uh, to get their quarterback there uh, and go ahead and pick it too. But if you are, if you are sold enough on one of these quarterbacks – to be a first-round pick, then take him at the top of the first round. I mean, it doesn't matter right. yeah, at that point. If, if, you're thinking, if, if you think that quarterback is a first-round guy, then it doesn't matter whether you take him at two or 32 in the case of Detroit. Just yep. take him. If he's going to solve your quarterback problems, uh, doesn't matter. The quarterback, the quarterback right. position matter. is that important. That if if you project them as a future Pro Bowl quarterback, which is basically what I think is the way you look at first rounders, I love it. Uh, and there's going to be so many mistakes made, but somebody's going to hit on somebody too. And uh, you know, the other part of the quarterback equation is you know Baker Mayfield is sitting out there, and there's no movement at all on him in part because he's due 18 million dollars uh, this year, and all the other teams know that Cleveland is. Uh, is stuck uh, right now with that on their salary cap. Um, so, but a Carolina, they might be a team that could use a Baker Mayfield because they're, when Matt Rule was hired there a couple of years ago, he had a seven year deal and okay, it was a rebuild. Now we're going into the third year there and okay, it's time we'd start winning, you know, and exactly. we, we got to start making some real progress here. And do you do that with a rookie or do you do that with a veteran guy? At Seattle, the other uh, is another team that has, uh, you know, has been rumored as being a possible uh, landing spot for Baker Mayfield. Well, let's see what happens in the draft and see if they get their guy. Malik Willis seems like a guy that Pete Carroll would love at uh, in Seattle. What do you think? No, that seems like kind of a seamless fit there. The play style of Russell Wilson and the play style of Malik Willis kind of match. And so, yeah, I think that would be a kind of a perfect fit as far as that offense. They wouldn't have to change hardly anything. All right. Let me give you uh, some sliders. Uh, my prediction is that we're going to have some of the interior players. Uh, you know, this is an outside in league as far as the value placed on positions. There's more value placed on cornerbacks, edge rushers on defense, value placed on wide receivers now in this league, uh, and uh, left tackle, right tackle on the offensive line. So those interior offensive linemen, interior defensive linemen, they don't post the same kind of stats. It's a third down league, uh, spread offenses, that sort of thing. They aren't as, uh, as effective in that game. Uh, I mean, you if you're a college football fan, you look at the Big 12 for years, and that's why you, the Big 12 can't recruit any defensive tackles is because when you're throwing the ball all over the place, those defensive tackles don't have an opportunity to, to rack up any stats uh, and improve their uh, NFL value. And so that's why they all went to the SEC instead. So um, Jordan Davis from Georgia. Boy, what a monster inside for Georgia. 
he is a guy that I think because of the position he plays is, is going to, unless the Baltimore Raven, he seems like the perfect Baltimore Raven player. Don't you think? And unless Baltimore doesn't take him at number 14, I can see Jordan Davis sliding into the twenties because he's a, he's basically at Georgia. Anyway, he was a two down player. And I mean, he would play basically 20 snaps a game at Georgia. And so is a team willing to spend a first round draft pick on a guy who might just be a first and second down player. That's what they got to look at. Uh, the other ones are the, uh, the guards and centers for that matter, but the guards that have been talked about with Dallas, Zion Johnson out of Boston college, Kenyon green out of Texas A&M. You can also look at the center, Tyler Linderbaum, who has a first round value. I will boldly predict that the Cowboys will not take an offensive guard at number 24. I can see them taking an offensive guard if they trade down and then take one of those guys where they're picking up a, let's say, a third-round pick, kind of like what they did with Travis Frederick uh, when he came out in 2013. They moved down from 18 to 31, took Travis Frederick, and they also got a third-round pick from San Francisco, and they took a wide receiver, Terrence Williams, in that draft. That scenario for a Pro Bowl center, and they had him valued as a Pro Bowl center, but not to take him at 18, they knew that they could get it. And, and, and by the way, uh, people ridiculed the pick of a center at 31 in the first round uh, back in 2013. So anyway, I think Jordan Davis and the two guards that are rumored to be on uh, the Dallas radar at 24, I think they're sliding. Okay. See, I'm sticking with, well, I'm not 100% certain. Right before the draft is when I'll make my final prediction, Bill Jones. But I'm saying right now that Zion Johnson is going to be the pick. I predicted it about a month ago, and right now I'm sticking with it. Um, so that's my uh, current play. At 24 uh, or at 34? 24. <laughs> he fits well at 24, and he fits well on. he would fit well on that Cowboys offensive line as well. Um, all right. My last bold prediction, Dr. Jones, and it's partially tied to my first one. It is the Cardinals trade Kyler Murray to the Texans, to the Texans for Davis Mills and Houston's two first round picks. All right. So, so the Cardinals GM, Steve Kime, was quoted saying there's zero chance they're trading Kyler Murray, which makes me think even more they're trading Kyler Murray. So I would love this for both teams. Uh, The Cardinals get a young quarterback, Davis Mills, like I mentioned, who actually played fairly well for Houston last year. 16 touchdowns, 10 picks with almost a 90 passer rating. He did that with basically no talent outside of Brandon Cooks on that Texans offense. Uh, a trade would also... Whoa, 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 whoa. I know where you're going here. Go ahead and say it, because I know you want to. He's got Rex Burkhead at running back. What do you mean he's got no talent? Rex Burkhead was the second most talented player on the offense, and that right. makes my point exactly. <laughs> Uh, The trade would also allow Arizona to draft either Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett at number three or 
number 11. So they would have two options at quarterback to replace Kyler Murray, either Davis Mills, if they like him, and, and there are people around the league who like Davis Mills, or Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, whichever one Cliff Kingsbury likes better. And finally, and this may be the biggest thing, they don't have to commit $40 million a year to Kyler Murray for the next four or five years. I think uh, Arizona is a little hesitant to give him all the money. Kyler, clearly a good quarterback, but is he a great quarterback? I don't think we quite know yet for sure. Can they? Uh, let me ask you, can they throw DeAndre Hopkins into the deal too? Send him back to Houston? He might want to. If Kyler goes back, if Kyler goes to Houston, D Hop might want to go back with him. You know, you know who else wants to go to Houston too? In that case, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury. Can you throw Cliff Kingsbury in? We'll trade trade head coaches too. Lovey Lovey goes to Arizona, and Kingsbury goes to Houston. He, he's from New Braunfels, so he's, so he's going back home to Texas. Of course, Lovey Lovey's from Big Sandy, and so he's already in Texas. So that's right. They can have co-head coaches, Lovey and, and Kingsbury. That's a that's a uh, a huge um, headline stealing deal right there. We're we're putting something together. Uh, as for the Texans, Bill Jones Murray back to his home state would be a home run, like you mentioned, makes them instantly relevant again. Plus, they have a ton of trade capital from dealing Deshaun Watson. So giving up a few of those picks to sure up their quarterback position for the next four or five years makes sense to me. They also still have multiple first rounders in 2023 and 2024. They also have the number 37 overall pick as well. So the Texans could reload over the next few years, just like they did when they won the AFC South four out of five years from 2015 to 2019. So there you go. That's my second bold prediction. Kyler Murray traded from the Cardinals to the Texans. And Bill Jones, you've covered Kyler since he was in high school. Do you like uh, you like what I'm uh, working with there? I do. I I don't think that you're giving up enough though for him. Really? I don't. I don't think the Texans are giving up enough. I mean, because basically what you're looking at here. I mean, I'm just look, going off of Daniel Jeremiah's uh, mock draft. I don't know if this is his 3.0 or 2.0, but he had Houston taking Kayvon Thibodeau at number three and Trent McDuffie at number 13. All right. So now we're putting names with numbers. Okay. Number three and number, number uh, 11. I mean, uh, three and 13 overall in the first round. That's Kayvon Thibodeau, Trent McDuffie, and then Davis Mills for Kyler Murray. Right. Yes. So would you Arizona would do that. Uh, Houston would do that deal in a heartbeat, but that's not enough for Arizona. Is it for Kyler Murray, a franchise quarterback? They're having issues with Kyler, Bill Jones. He does. He wiped his IG already. <laughs> he's trying to no, get but out he of says Arizona. He says he's going to win a Super Bowl with the Cardinals. Now he just, he just posted that. Don't you believe social media? No, I believe he would say the same thing about the Texans if they paid him $40 million a year. <laughs> I think it works uh, well for Houston. Maybe, okay, you could throw in an extra third rounder or fourth rounder. But how about gonna, a first rounder next year? So Davis Mills plus three first rounders. Yeah, and Davis Mills doesn't count. Anyway, the only reason you're trading Davis, they don't want Davis Mills. They're getting their, their quarterback in the – 
in either this draft or next year's draft. They have to have a first rounder next year because the quarterback draft is so weak this year. Maybe that's kind of fair. Maybe that's yeah. fair. But I still like the, I like Kingsbury having two options to replace Kyler. Either either you know you know what they say. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one quarterback. Maybe, but well, I I think Cliff trying to figure out who replaces Kyler that actually makes sense to have have a choice. He what you need two first round options to replace Kyler. Your your first round picks this year and first round pick next year. All right, we just negotiated the deal. We'll do the deal. Arizona will do the deal if you give us number three, number thirteen, and your first rounder next year. And by the way, go ahead. You can you can give us Davis Mills also. I think you're undervaluing Davis Mills, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but we never undervalue the Jonesing for Football podcast. And we've got one more for you leading up to the draft, don't we, young Cody? Yes, sir, we do. This is going deep inside the big green NFL draft scouting notebook. There it is. What page? We're going to page 50, 60, 70. Bill Jones has Page 234. 234. That is where you're going to get all the sleepers all the hidden gems that no one else talks about. These aren't first-round guys or second-round guys. Find out who Bill Jones will be picking. He's gonna. I guarantee he's going to hit a six-round sleeper, and then we're going to be talking about it for the next 10 years here on Jonesing for Football. But find uh, out who it is that's, coming up on the next episode. That's, that's a great way to, once again, work Rex Burkhead into this podcast. <laughs> he was my sixth-round sleeper in 2013 and he's now going into his 10th year as the most talented player on that houston texans roster all right we'll see you next time on jonesing for football